The Spark podcast brings together some of the stories, the true stories that people tell on stage. My life had deteriorated and after that and I'd been skippering around and I had nowhere to go and I ended up with Delroy, I ended up living in a skip. And I like to tell everyone it was a convertible skip. It had a rag top and it was uh, just off in the West End, just uh, behind Dean Street. And I lived in it for three months with Delroy, my skipmate. I said, I'm going swimming, sir. He said, you can't swim. I said, I know, sir. That's why I'm going to learn. And he said, well, you know what it is. Black boys, your bones are too heavy. You'll sink to the bottom of the pool and you'll drown. <laughs> and I believed him. <laughs> and all my other friends who were there who had a similar hue to myself, they totally ignored him and they went off to swim. But I was totally frightened. Some of them are just beautifully told and some of them I can just, I feel like they can happen to me. You have the opportunity to hear different voices, different accents, and kind of collectively it gives us a bigger world. I grew up in Dudley, so near Birmingham. Um, Nice school, sort of like, you know, brown people, black people, white people. I just surrounded myself with beautiful white girls. (laughs) Looking back, I didn't really do a lot for my self-esteem. They're stories that are very often profound and moving. The time that I first realised that he saw me as stuff too was uh, the first time that he hit me. Um, And... I hope I have to explain to everyone in this room what it's like to be hit by a grown man. I hope that none of you have experienced that. But the force was just astonishing. And I thought I'd been like hit by a board because, you know, it was actually just a hand, but it just felt so strong. And um, I tumbled forward and my eyes clouded over white for a few seconds. I couldn't see anything. And two things went through my head. The first thing was... I must never, never tell anyone about this. And the second thing was, whatever I said, it must have been really, really bad. I also like the fact that it's very unexpected. You never know what you're going to get. And someone had the very, very uh, unique idea of trying to shampoo my head so that my, <laughs> so that my head would slip out of the window. <laughs> and I was having a shower, and my mum uh, put her head around the door um, there are sort of privacy issues in my family, but I think that's probably another story. And um, she said, darling, um, are you going a bit the other way? Sometimes it's so trivial and sometimes it's so deep, uh, but they're already good. The first gunman went on the stage and he started firing left and right. And me being a person who's always in the wrong place at the wrong time, I thought to myself, well, I've got long legs and I can jump that stage. And then they both turned to Alex, who had his bag, and they were both shouting at him and shouting at him and shouting at him, and they had their knives out, and their knives were cutting at the air just in front of his chest. And he was standing there with his bag, and he was looking at them and saying, "Uh, calm down, I'm going to give you the bag, I'm going to give you the bag. But they couldn't understand what he was saying. I leaned back and I pulled him to get him out, and his glove came off in my hand, and my bum hit the floor. And I looked at my hand and thought, why is he wearing a glove? and this black sticky glove. And I looked at his hand and I saw the bones of his fingers and the flesh. I, I pulled the burned skin off his hand. Like the amount of amazing stories just never seems to end. Like there's always just incredible true stories out there. A year in I was moved to maximum security. Eight o'clock at night we were locked in our cells. 10 o'clock is what's called lights out. It's like the cockroaches knew just when the lights were about to go out they would line up in the cracks in the walls. You see them, their antennae sticking out doing this little movement. (laughs) As soon as the lights went out, they would just flood the room. And you got a choice, you could put a sheet around you, so you look like the mummy, it does keep them off you. 
but it traps the heat to your body. It gets up to almost 50 degrees out there. You've got these bleeding and itching skin infections and bed sores. So it aggravates that condition. You end up just throwing the sheet off you and letting them crawl on you. Now, they don't bite. They start out on tickling your feet, your limbs. They try to get in your ears to eat your earwax. It's like honey to them. I had a neighbour who was asthmatic in maximum. He wakes up one morning. He's out of breath. Grabs his inhaler. Takes a blast. It's cockroach in it. He says he can feel it moving around inside him. And he throws up his stomach contents. And he can't get it out. It's stuck in the... The spot to me is a community where we share a sense of, of reality and authenticity uh, where the stories that are shared it's that thing of the most personal it's the most universal she phoned me up uh, the morning after the last time I'd seen him and he died and he'd just gone to sleep uh, after being at our house the night before I never woke up uh, and he was 39 and you know if you get a chance next time you see your brother or your sister. Yeah. Do something that you're going to remember. Because you never know when you're not going to see them again. I like hearing stories because it makes my life seem a lot less weird when I hear people tell much weirder stories. And as we were driving on the way to a campsite in Bournemouth, he told me what we were going to do. We were going to infiltrate a group of ageing caravan swingers at a naturist site in Bournemouth. I'd said yes already, so it was a little late to backtrack at this stage, which, of course, he knew. He pulled out a small piece of flesh that was opaque and a sort of globular shape, and he held it in his hand, and he said, here is your bladder. And... I'm watching this on the screen, and then he strokes it a couple of times with his thumb. And Coco came back with a gun in his hand, sat back on his bed. He pointed the gun more or less at us and said, Now I'm going to shoot one of you. You choose. That was weird. And in my mind, suddenly, I, I had a couple of thoughts. Uh, actually, I was thinking that the most unbearable thing that could happen now for me would to see my best friend being shot in front of me without me doing anything about it. And, uh, yeah, I was drunk. I said, me. And Coco pushed the gun on my head, and he said, so do I shoot? I said, oh, Coco, if you ask me, I would prefer not. (laughs) I think that's better than anything that you can watch on a film or a TV show. Somebody getting up there and saying exactly what happened in their own words in front of an audience like us who probably all have our own stories as well. Nothing better than that.